Welcome back in to Valhalla, all of my wonderful VFLs. As always, as always, I'm with my boy Mike Piper. How are you, buddy? Man, doing good here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, excited for this weekend, hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. Are you going to drop the bomb or not? <laughs> Forever! Anyway, um, but yeah, how are you doing? I'm great, buddy. I'm great. Uh, just living the dream in this cold East Tennessee night. I know you boys in the north, some of you guys got some some snow. Um, we did not. It just colds balls down here. So, <laughs> yeah, great stuff. We got a really, really good show today. I'm excited. Mike Wilson from Knoxville News Sentinel's on. We're talking a little round ball and some breaking news. So, should be a good one. With he's got a, he's a great interview, man. We had a good time. Yeah. Great guy. We really appreciate Mike coming out. Um, and in addition to the segment we have with Mike Wilson, we also are going to preview the Tennessee Florida game for better or worse. Um, got some big news. Um, won't touch on it now. We'll tease you with it. But um, a lot of big things happening in the Tennessee program. And then, uh, Chase, tell us what else we got going on. Well, as always, well, today, unfortunately, Sour Monday's passed. But our boys over at Manscaped. Still got some good stuff going on. And as always, we got a little promo for you. Get you extra money off. Uh-huh. Get you some free shipping just in time for the holidays. You know, you don't want anything nicking or scraping down there or on your chest or wherever you might need to shave. It's, it's like you're performing surgery. You don't want to do that with those old <laughs> razors. I'm telling you, this is the lawnmower 3.0. 3.0, baby. You know what that means? The best. The best. Third, Third generation. Cutting edge ceramic blade. Kills all those grooming accidents. You ain't going to have those no more. Nope. Waterproof technology. You got the flashlight on there. Helps you shed a little bit of light on the matter, if you know what I'm saying. But, um, and the battery life, man. It was last 90 minutes. I hadn't even had to charge it yet. I'm still running on the initial battery that I got whenever I received it a month ago. So it's a uh, real deal. Real deal. That's a. That's awesome. Yeah, because it's uh, 7,000 RPMs. Quiet stroke motor, though. You know, nobody hears you. No. It's all sleek and silent. But just like the charging charging stand, sleek. Show off your mower loud and proud because this is an intelligently designed stand. It's convenient. Got a little charging dock, USB, all the nice conveniences. The works. The works, man. And I mean, if you're listening to me right now, I want you to experience it firsthand. Please, please. Let me hit them with that. 20% off. Oh. Free shipping. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is use promo code WTV20. That's just the initials for Welcome to Valhalla with 20 on the end. Absolutely. And you just head over to manscaped.com. Use that promo code and make your testies their besties, baby. I love it. Mm. Mm. So... Let's get to uh, potentially hurting our balls. <laughs> oh, I should say balls. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, terrible joke, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> we got Florida this week, man. We got Florida. And we got Kyle, Tra- Kyle Trask. Good Kyle guy. Trask is coming to town. Good. He's a Heisman hopeful. 32 touchdowns at this point in the season. It's about as many as Garantano's had in his 12 years here at the University of Tennessee. So, um, yeah. But good news for Vol fans on the horizon, potentially. A uh, quote from Josh Palmer's uh, media day today. 
Uh, he said in regards to Harrison Bailey, he's calm, cool, and collected. I feel like we have a really good game plan for him. Um, there was another quote kind of along the lines of the whole quarterback room is doing everything they can to support Harrison Bailey. So it hasn't been officially stated. Jeremy Pruitt really likes to keep the things, these kind of things under the wraps. And I'm sure he's not thrilled that uh, Josh Palmer has kind of tipped his hand at what he's going to be doing on Saturday. Um, but I do think that we'll see Harrison Bailey tried out there against Florida. Um, and I think it'll be a site that most fans will be ready to see. Yeah. I hope so because we're going to need some offense. Florida can put up some points. Yep. And to even give you an idea of what the differential is, Tennessee's best performance this year was 35 points. Florida's worst is 34 points. <laughs> yeah. Oof. That's, that's tough. Great. That's yeah, not they, great. An Arkansas team that Tennessee struggled with, uh, they put up 63 points. That's, um, that's tough, man. That's tough. Uh I sure hope this is one of those teams that can rally around Harrison because I, I think it the more and more you listen to, the more and more you hear from all the smart folks up in Knoxville, whether it's our boy Trey Wallace or Mike Wilson, all those guys are kind of hinting that it might be might be Bailey time to start. And I know you just talked about, you know, there's some there's some groups rallying around him and we're gonna need that. Palmer is gonna have to really step up. I think that's another guy that he's been missing. I know it's lack of quarterback play and yeah, Kyle Trask has 34 touchdowns. JG has 38, I think in his career. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's the truth. 38. Trask has three interceptions. JG has three interceptions returned for touchdowns. <laughs> in the um, last two weeks. Or last three in the weeks. last two weeks. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, man. So there's, there's a lot that's got to change. And I think the Bailey change is going to be big. I think if Pruitt wants to uh, keep this thing going, I think that's a change he's going to have to make. I think um, if you want to get into the coaching thing, I think that buys him time. I really do, and especially if if Bailey can come around and it shows um, when you have guys like Caden Salters or you know backing you up to says a lot about your recruiting, says a lot about your staff in some ways. So you know it's time to make a change. Hopefully, I think everybody's calling for it, and you're almost foolish if not. Um, but man, Florida can put up some points, buddy. What do you, what do you think? And what do you think there is a game plan of, especially when losing Bennett this week, we'll get more into that with Mike, but uh, I don't know, man. What do you, how do you think this team has to stop them? It's tough, man, because I think the, the biggest question mark for me is we haven't really been able to stop the pat like passing offenses in the middle of the field, you know, like, mm-hmm. Like our linebackers have been our well, probably our biggest weakness in the passing game, and then you pair that they with can't the fact, cover. Yep, <laughs> they cannot cover, and you pair that with the fact that Florida's got um, one of the best tight ends in the country in Kyle Pitts. I mean, it's it's kind of a matchup nightmare for this defense. I'm hoping that given the extra time to prepare, that we'll be ready and locked and loaded. I mean, obviously, I'm not expecting us to to win this game. I, I think if you can keep it within two touchdowns, that's fairly respectable. And I would think most Tennessee fans would feel pretty good about that. Um, given the s- status of the program right now and how things have gone the last five weeks. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, I just, I don't see a way that we can keep up with them because of the explosiveness of their offense and because of how they match up with us as far as like offensively, defensively, I just don't see, 
I don't. I, it's hard. It's difficult for me to imagine them scoring less than say forty-two points this Saturday. Yikes! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. And, uh, hmm. Yeah. Now, if you to be what I hope I am, I don't know why I hope I am, but I probably will be. Come Friday, there's going to be a little part of me. It's like, well, if the things happen that we all hope to happen. You know, should work out somehow, right. some way. You're going to start to get a little glass half full around Friday, about four or five o'clock. Work day's winding down. Things are starting to get exciting. It's like, <laughs> hey, you know, it's Friday. We're we'll feeling good. Um, I think what happens is if it's because I will say Florida's run defense is pretty porous. It's not, not as bad as it was, I think, early on, but it's still pretty low low to mid tier uh, as far as SEC goes. And we have a guy in Eric Gray and another guy in Ty Chandler that can really shred it up on the ground. And imagine if Harrison Bailey comes out and has that kind of game that you hope for, for a potential star breakout type game, first start, you know, one of those miracle stories that you hope for that, if he can come out and do really well, if Bailey can come out and do pretty well, I'd say pretty well, and then just let Gray and Chandler do their thing and this offense gets rolling, there's some inspiration behind it. You know, maybe Trask gets a little little shaky in a game because some they came out and smacked him in the mouth, you know? Yep. You get a turnover. There's yep. there's little things that can happen, but I do think it starts with the ground game. First Tennessee, and that's where I think they can really take advantage of them. I think Grace, we've, we, you and I both think Grace, just a special kind of running back. Right. Todd Chandler's also really freaking good, and we've got guys that can that can take them on the ground. And I think this Tennessee O line can really push push them around and do some things. So for this Tennessee team to come back around and do something and make a push to win this game, they're going to have to eat them alive. And I'm saying you're going to have to be in the you know, two to three hundred yards rushing, probably two fifty to three hundred yards rushing top game, and then have Bailey do some special things and hit some guys. And for I know we talked about the lack of coverage, but there's got to be some weird turnovers happen, strip fumbles, something. Yeah, it's going to take a lot. Do you do you see anything else that could possibly need to happen for this team to possibly get a chance to win? And I said uh, possibly like eighteen times. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell by the way you phrased it that we're both just brimming with confidence about the team's chance. Brimming with confidence. Um, but yeah, I honestly I don't see it happening. I mean, there's there's probably about ten different things that would have to align that all seem improbable to me in order for it to happen. I think you would need Kyle Trask to have a bad day, and he seems like he's been pretty much perfect on the season. You would need the linebackers to be able to cover Kyle Pitts in the middle of the field. That doesn't seem like it's going to happen. You're going to need a fresh quarterback and Harrison Bailey to have a big day and put up a lot of points. That doesn't really seem like it's going to happen. I know Florida's run defense is porous, but I our offensive line has been so inconsistent. I don't really have a great deal of faith that they'll take advantage of it. I think it's, out of all the things I've just listed, probably the most likely. But um, nonetheless, we've looked so inconsistent at times, and I'm wondering if, Florida will even respect the pass because of the fact that you're going to be starting a guy that's a freshman um, that doesn't have a ton of playing experience. Thank you very much, Jeremy Pruitt. So, you know, and that's just to name a few of the things. I just 
Based on the games that I've seen Florida play, they just look like they're a far better team to me, and they look like they can score points in a hurry, and we don't look that way. And hopefully Harrison Bailey is just the truth and the extra we can practice, the game plan that we have in place. Who knows? Like it, It's definitely possible. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I'm going to say it's highly improbable, and I don't think that Tennessee fans should go into the game expecting that they're going to leave with the win or even that there's a... I would say greater than 10% chance that we go with win. I would say, if I had to say, I would say it's probably like a 95 to 96% chance we lose. I haven't looked at the FPI or anything, but that would be my gut instinct as far as where I'd say we're at. Yeah, I hate to say that too, but it just, there's too many things that we'd have to overcome. And I don't see how they're going to do it. Even if Bailey's tremendous, there's some defensive issues and, Shout out to Florida, I guess. They're going to cause those defensive issues. Pitts, Trask, those guys are monsters. And Trask is doing the potential Joe Burrow thing of, you know, relatively average to, holy crap, Heisman Trophy winner uh, in the next year. And you just find your system and you've got talent. And it's it's a formula. You know, Joe Burrow had... Justin Jefferson and Chase, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, he had two guys that are going to be, they were first-round wide receivers. Well, Jamar will be next year. But, um, yeah, so it's just, it's an amazing combo that you have to have. And, obviously, you're seeing that with Florida. And I I just don't see it happening. Um, And to look ahead, I Vanderbilt and Texas A&M, you know, Vanderbilt's obviously in a terrible situation. They just fired their coach. I actually thought that game might be a loser goes home with a, with no coach. I actually mm-hmm. thought that that game could be that, but yeah. obviously they decided to do that sooner rather than later. So I don't know with two teams in the top, what top seven, top six, yeah. It's going to be very, very tough last three weeks, buddy. It's not going to be great. Um, yeah, I'm not feeling crazy optimistic about any of the games except for even Vanderbilt. I, th- I think we'll win, but it's hard to even go into that game and feeling like, oh, well, yeah, we're definitely going to leave with a win based on how we've seen the team perform to this point. But, um, you know, enough, enough about that. I will try to transition this into a different topic. maybe this kind of a out of left field just kind of popped in my mind, but with Kyle Trask, with Mac Jones, with Trevor Lawrence, with Justin Fields, with Trey Lance, with um, the kid from BYU, do you think this is the deepest quarterback class you've seen in some time? Mm, That's tough. Last year was pretty special, especially seeing what you're seeing on the field now. Right. You know, but also – that could pave a road. That could really pave a road into getting guys opportunities earlier because to a different sense, without Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray doesn't get drafted number one or Baker Mayfield doesn't get drafted number one. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Because a shorter guy got drafted that's a good athlete that spreads the ball around. Um, yeah, those guys got opportunities because of Russell Wilson. Yep. Or Drew Brees. or Somebody paved the road. And I think this 
rookie class with Burrow. Hope that guy gets better. Burrow, even Tua. I mean, yep. Tua has been talked about so much. And Herbert's just doing incredible things. Unfortunately, the guy's not winning because that, that Chargers team just takes terrible losses after terrible losses. Um, but he's still putting up stats, and he's the truth. Like, that guy can absolutely sling the pigskin. Man, they're so good. They're so, uh, but this team, this I mean, this draft class could be really something special. Yeah, I, I I watched Mac Jones and I know he he looks kind of boring, especially if you've only watched him a little bit from last year. Um, but this year, man, he moves in the pocket very well. He makes all the throws. It, it's something special because that guy's going to be the fifth quarterback probably. Yep, maybe 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 four. But it's it's special. Do you think that has the type of ability to look back and you're like, holy crap, that's that's for legit starters in the NFL. Yeah, yeah honestly, I, I think I hear what you're saying for sure because I think um, it'll be tough for the top three in this class to be as good as the top three have been um, for last year's class, at least in how Joe Burrow impressed Jay Alligate, Herbert's impressed Jay Alligate, and then even two is look pretty good um, whenever he's filled in for, for Fitzpatrick or in the times they've given him the nod. So, um, mm-hmm. But I do think – I genuinely think you have six guys that all seem like they could be starters. And that I'm, that's coming from somebody that's just kind of an average fan. I haven't really looked at um, or watched film on a lot of these guys. But, um, I mean, you're talking about you know Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. I think Fields could be a number one quarterback taken in a lot of other years. Um, like I said, Trey Lance, the kid from North Dakota State, he's projected to be a top five or top six pick. Kyle Trask, to me, is a Heisman winner and looks like he'll be a first-round pick. Mac Jones looks like he'll be potentially a first-round pick. And then that's not even counting the guy from BYU. I think it's Zach Wilson. Um, He's supposed to be a top-ten pick is what a lot of people are saying. So you've got, I mean, maybe six guys going in the first round, which I can't remember a time you had that many quarterbacks taken that highly. Yeah, I I really can't. It's going to be – a really good class too, because you got a lot of offense there. Um, there's going to be some good wide receivers. There's, it's going to be a solid little class. I, I do believe this has potential to do something special, but yeah, because what you thought Tua was, because that's all I heard at the beginning of the season was Tua is the best prospect I've ever seen. And if it wasn't for the injury, he'd be number one. But you know, you have Burrow come out, and it just shows incredible toughness like even before the injury like that dude was behind the worst offensive line in football and still putting up 300 yards beating the tough titans team we don't want to talk about that we're moving right along yeah (laughs) yeah but to see what you know two didn't have doesn't have to do much right now and you know miss this week but yeah justin herbert's gonna be special that guy's really good but i i Watching Mac Jones, I've watched him play two games this year. Uh, two, I'd say two, like legit, you know, three to four quarters worth of Mac, Mac Jones, and or uh, two games that I've, I've watched a legit full game or three quarters worth. So, you know, one's against Auburn, and I couldn't. Who was the first game I watched him with? It. I was just very, very, very pleased to what I saw. Guy could make any throw, mm-hmm. uh, and. Unfortunately, I've watched too much Florida too. Um, Kyle Trask and Pitts are 
incredible combo. I, I'm with you. I'm not seeing a whole lot of BYU, but uh, just from what everybody that's way smarter than me has said, special, very special. Yep. Well, I think you would derail us, but I just I was no. I actually love that. I love that yeah. a little bit because that, that's it's very promising, and we're going to get to watch somebody. I mean, in trash, you know, it's going to be probably pretty good in the NFL one day. Yeah, and Kyle Pitts. I mean, those two guys will probably be, I would think, in the NFL for a good ten years, twelve years. I mean, unless trash just ends up being trash unexpectedly, but yeah, um, yeah I'm. I'm I'm thinking it'll be fun to watch these guys if it wasn't against Tennessee on Saturday and if they weren't a bitter rival. Um, but, hey, I mean, credit where credit's due. A lot of talent there, and you could be watching a Heisman winner. Yeah, very true, man. Well, uh, guys, we're going to hop in with our boy Mike Wilson and enjoy this conversation. Great dude. Appreciate him coming out. So take a look, listen, take a little listen to Mike Wilson. All right, guys, we're back from the break. We have got a wonderful guest today, Mr. Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel, sports writer. How are you, buddy? Doing well, loving life then now that it uh, looks like basketball is going to get off the ground here in Knoxville and we can uh, can see what that team's made of at last. I know, man. <laughs> That's knock on wood. As Tennessee Vol Hoops today uh, putting that Twitter post, fingers crossed, knock on wood all of the other things that you could possibly do for not jinxing this. Cause you know, uh, I really was, I was pretty happy with the new development of getting in UT Martin. Um, thought it was a nice little play. Cause I'm sure they made all the calls to ETSU, UTC, whoever else they could possibly get to fill in some gaps. So it was good to see that. Good to see Ricky B being out of quarantine. So nice to have some future potential playing basketball. Yeah, it seems it's headed so, in that direction at last. I mean, obviously, it seemed like things were cruising in a good direction last week, but then Monday, two days before the opener, shuts down. So, yeah, good developments today. I think both both things were good developments for Tennessee and in, in adding a game after losing out on four. I wouldn't be surprised to see them continue chasing adding another, um, but obviously mm-hmm. getting Rick Barnes back uh, out of isolation and back in the building is huge for them. Yeah. Yeah. I, do you have any idea like who, who else they would think about adding? I, Cause I imagine it's going to be somebody within a relatively close drive. Cause just to make it simple, but any idea who else they'd add or have you heard anything? I don't. Um, you know, I spent some time funny enough last night looking through people for this first gap. Um, and there were a lot of options. I didn't, I didn't actually get to UT Martin as one of the options because uh, Eastern mm-hmm. Kentucky, Western Kentucky, MTSU uh, all had gaps and those seemed like three pretty viable options. Uh, Western Carolina had a gap too, and, and Tennessee really likes playing those SoCon schools. Uh, you know, they played yeah. Furman and Samford in recent years. Uh, a lot of good teams in that conference, so I thought that might be one too. But um, I haven't had a chance to look further down the road uh, to kind of isolate where Tennessee might have that that gap that they might want to target. Um, but I definitely imagine it would be in December before they get into conference play. Yeah, uh, I'm. I know we kind of need those warm up games because, you know, a lot of young talent, a lot of fun guys on this team. And man, you know, even if it's a couple Instagram or Twitter posts, you see Keon Johnson, in the top 10 of a draft mm. makes you, makes your heart flutter a little bit. Is it, you know, any sort of fan, you know, especially after uh, another tough couple of days in football, we'll circle back to basketball in here a sec. I just want to get your thoughts on, 
the Johnson situation today, getting dispensed from the team, um, and a couple decommits. What do you? You're a little bit close to the situation. Like, what are you thinking as far as what's the vibe up there right now? Is this like just a bad culture thing, or is it just kind of a product of losing? Um, it just seems tough right now, especially Kevon Bennett getting dismissed today, arrested for weapons and gun charges. That, that's another tough thing, and I know it happens here and there for teams, but man, that's another tough loss again. Plus the, you know, Terrence Lewis decommit and I don't know, tough week, man. What do you, where are your thoughts up there as far as a culture shock right now? Uh, you know, I mean, to start with the recruiting stuff that happens. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, when you're recruiting top 50 guys, top 100 guys, you're going to lose some. Uh, I mean, that, that's not a wild thing. But what stings with Tennessee's case is they had three top 100 commits going into last week. They've lost two of them, uh, with one mm-hmm. being five-star linebacker Terrence Lewis, who was set and still could be. He still says he's considering Tennessee as his top school, but if you are decommitting to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you, you can explore while you're still committed. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a big loss. Ten- uh, Jeremy Pruitt hasn't signed a five-star defensive player been at Tennessee which is pretty shocking hmm. to me given his, his reputation as a recruiter, um, which is well-deserved, um, and his, his defensive reputation as well. Uh, so that, that's a shocking one. But, and then losing Demarius McGee, a, a cornerback who was a top 100 kid as well. I mean, you don't want to see massive losses. You don't want to see back-to-back losses of top no. 100 kids. Like that, that's when it starts to be something where you, you wonder if it's going to snowball into yeah. more or not. It's- um, now, mind you, a lot of Tennessee commitments in the last 24 hours, like Caden Salter, the quarterback, uh, Miles Campbell, mm-hmm. tight end, uh, Isaac Washington, defensive lineman, few, few others have all gone on social media and expressed that they are still committed to Tennessee. And that that's big. Um, kind of puts, yeah. I think, some some confidence in it's not all falling apart with that class. But anytime you lose two of your top three kids, that's a problem, um, even yeah, though it, it does, does happen. Uh, and on the Kevon mm-hmm. Bennett note, I mean, that's brutal. I mean, for starters, as a player, you, you lose one of your best defensive players, if not your best defensive player. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's a major problem to, to lose a guy like that. And to lose a guy like that, just making a really boneheaded decision and, and just getting arrested like that, that, that's not good. You don't want to see that stuff in a program. Uh, and Tennessee, I think now in the last calendar year, has had three guys kicked off from arrests with Tim Jordan, Emmett Gooden, and now uh, Kevon Bennett. And and Tim Jordan's was was drug and gun related as well. Um, so you don't want to yeah. see those things in a program. Um, it is kind of the unfortunate side of college athletics that players get arrested. Players make mistakes like normal humans do. They are on the wrong side of the law, like a lot of normal humans are as well. But you don't like to see that happen um, within your your program, and that's that's as a coach or a fan base or anyone else. You just don't like to see that stuff happen. Yeah, it's always tough because you know. If you, especially if you're on Twitter, you kind of look back and you're seeing all these comments like, well, this looks familiar. And I hate to see that. Uh, you don't want that for any kid. Um, I mean, these are still relatively kids, you know, they're in college and you don't want to see somebody ruin themselves or ruin their potential. And, you know, you kind of hope the best for him and hopefully things work out in some sort of favor, whatever route he assumes to take. So just hope the best for the guy, but not great. And I, I get it. You know, like you said, they just, things are like this are going to happen as far as the recruiting trail, but you know, getting Caden Salter was pretty big. So as long as he's one of those guys and 
you know, the quarterback position, no matter if you're a recruit or you're on the team is always going to have a leadership voice. So, you know, at least he's around and he's one that's back in Tennessee, no matter what. So gives you a good feeling, gives you a little bit of good feeling. Um, Let's get to a little basketball. That's what we brought you on here for, my man. We did, unfortunately, had some bad news in football, so we have to talk about it. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about the backcourt. And I know I mentioned Keon Johnson earlier, and we got Springer and Viscovi and James and all these guards up in the backcourt and so much talent, which is a great feeling for any Vols fan because um, we've had some struggles as far as depth goes. How do you see playing time being spread out between all that, all those guys in the backcourt? Well, first off, I'll say that I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because that, I mean, as much of a blessing as that is, man, that's a lot of mouths to feed at the same time. Um, and yeah, I mean, I look at it outside and I think Santiago Viscovi is a starter. Um, and, and I'll mm-hmm. say this up front too. I don't think who starts for this team really means much because they're going to be able to put guys in there. And if someone's hot, they can stick with that guy. Um, but, but to me, uh, the starters are probably Santiago Viscovi, Keon Johnson, and Josiah James. Um, okay. I think those are kind of that three guys with Josiah on the wing, but but Keon and, and Josiah, that, that two and three in Tennessee's offense is pretty interchangeable. Um, so I think those three guys start. But I think Victor Bailey and, and uh, Jaden Springer are you know the sixth and seventh guys. They're, they're off the bench quick. Both of them are capable of starting and probably would start at most places. Um, but right away there, you've got a lot of offensive firepower off the bench. Um, and I, I covered a Michigan State team in 2016 that was ranked number one in the country for a while. And they had a guy named Bryn Forbes, who's now, I think, with the Bucks. He's been with the Spurs for a few years. Sharpshooter kid. Uh, should have been the starting mm-hmm. two guard. But they loved having that offense off the bench. And I think that's what you're going to see with Victor Bailey. Um, but yeah, between those five guys, you got a lot of minutes there. And, and we haven't even talked Devontae Gaines, who was, yeah. to me, maybe as good a leader as anyone on that team last year. I, I thought there was definitely a leadership void on last year's team. I mean, that, that's not to knock, you know, Jordan Bowden who does things the right way. Um, but he, he, yeah. he will say himself, he's not an outspoken vocal leader. Um, and losing Lamonte Turner took away the leader of that team. But I thought Devonte Gaines gave that team life. A lot of times uh, he, he's got that energy and that attitude about him uh, that, that maybe they lacked at points. So he's a guy to me that has to find minutes and you have to give him minutes because he has a good effect on your team. Um, but he's got to earn those. And there's a lot of people there that are going to be fighting for minutes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I'll jump in here. Uh, Mike, really happy to have you on the show. Um, so I, I guess, you know, as we talked about the the backcourt back being really crowded and obviously this Tennessee's team's probably one of the, the deepest we've seen in some time, but I'm curious, who do you see being the breakout star, breakout player um, at this year's Tennessee basketball team? Yeah, to me, it's Victor Bailey. Um, you know, there was a comment this summer that, that Josiah Jordan James made. I, I just kind of asked him, you know, are people underestimating Victor Bailey and what do we not know about him? And Josiah said, I think Victor Bailey is the best kept secret in all of college basketball. And I latched onto that as like, all right, why? Like, what is it about Victor Bailey Jr.? Like, we, we kind of heard among the media, saw it a little bit in practice as he's running the scout team. We heard about this guy's speed, his scoring ability, just the things that he can do uh, that can kind of change Tennessee's team. And, and talking to him, talking to his mom, talking to Kim English about all these things. And one comment that really stuck with me was, was Victor Bailey Jr. saying, you know, 
I, I left Oregon to be a different player. I could have stayed there to be the same player, but I was not going to waste this year. I'm going to come out and look like a totally different player because I don't want people to look at me and say, well, what did you do for the last year? Um, what were you doing? So to me, that's the guy. And I don't know if the numbers are going to reflect him being a breakout star per se, but I think people are going to be surprised by him because we talk a lot about Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer for good reason as five-star incoming freshmen. We talk a lot mm-hmm. about Santiago Vescovi from what we saw last year. And we talk a lot about Desai Jordan James because I think he's a guy who fits in this category too of someone who's going to take a big jump uh, and really surprise people now that he's healthy after playing hurt all of last season. But yeah, I think transfers have a funny way of getting forgotten. Uh, and Victor Bailey Jr. sat out last year and I think he's going to play a bigger role on this Tennessee team than than a lot of people outside of Knoxville would expect and realize. Yeah, because Rick always has that guy that turns it around and kind of shocks you. I mean, even from year one, it was Kevin Punter, and Eves was pretty much that guy, Eves or Folky, however you want to look at that from last year. Both. They, he's they both. His development, yeah, his development and players is – really, really close to unmatched. I mean, I know there's great coaches amongst college basketball, but Rick, what he's done since he's been at Tennessee and developing guys and making guys into stars. I mean, like legit, would you ever think John Fulkerson is going to be preseason first team, all SEC, you know, like East Ponds, you look at him, you're like, okay, that guy, he's a specimen. But when you look at Folky, you know, you're, you're thinking Kingsport, Tennessee. So it's it's really turning out like to to show no matter how long he's going to be here, he's going to keep developing guys. And Victor Bailey is, like you said, prime example, speed, and forty percent three point shooting today in today's basketball is just exactly what you need. They're going to spread it out. They're going to they're going to play fast, and it's going to be an athletic team. So very exciting on that part because I, I'm with you. I think Victor Bailey could really be that guy. Um, but. To talk a little bit amongst that, I, what do you think are this team's biggest strengths and weaknesses for this season? Well, I think the biggest strengths are definitely a lot of what we've talked about. I mean, they have an obscene amount of guard depth. Um, mm-hmm. When you look at that, you think back to that Tennessee team that won the SEC regular season title uh, two years ago. Um, and you think about Three years ago? Two years ago? 2018, 2019, I believe it was. No, 2017, 18 was the year they won it. Next year, they were at number one. Yeah. Um, the year, that year in the 2017, 18 year, they had a lot of guards. I mean, they brought in James Daniel and Chris Darrington as transfers that really padded that guard depth. And they were able to play such good defense uh, throughout the whole game. And I think that's what we're going to see from this team is just so many options um, and athletic long options. I mean, Jaden Springer is 6'4. Keon Johnson, 6'5", Victor Bailey, 6'4", Josiah James is 6'5", 6'6". I mean, these are not little guards. These are big men. Um, And the defense, the ability that's going to stem out of that is going to be awesome, I think. Um, And certainly on the offensive end, that's a strength as well. You can't talk strengths on this team without talking about the senior pair of Eve and John Fulkerson in the post. I mean, that's about as good of a a returning pair that you're going to find in, in a front court, especially in terms of senior pair, um, that's big time. To, to me, the weaknesses on paper right now are how well does this team rebound? They weren't a particularly good rebounding team last year. Um, that's not Eve's biggest strength, but it needs to be. Um, EJ Anasicki came in as a grad transfer. That is his strength. 
and from all accounts, mm-hmm. making everyone else rebound the ball better because otherwise he's yeah. going to take every single one of them in practice. Um, but the, the reserve big men, I think we need to see Olivier Kamwa or Uros Plasic really elevate. Both of them ideally, but I think at least one of them really needs to step forward uh, and become – I mean, Olivier came in as this rebounder, and he had a couple of double-digit games faded late in the season. Urosh had that Mississippi State game where he was awesome. But, you know, he – I think he went below three rebounds in all but two or three of his games. He didn't block a shot. He's a seven-foot yeah. guy who didn't block a shot in, in 120 minutes or so. So you've got to see development from those two. And I think that's the one area of this team that's still a question mark, and that will dictate kind of a lot that happens this season. So kind of based on what you're saying, the strengths and weaknesses of this team, um, what do you see this team's floor and ceiling be? I mean, I feel like it's a team that a lot of fans are as excited as they've been in quite some time. Um, But given the experience, the young talent, the depth, what do you see this team being able to achieve um, bottom, you know, floor and ceiling? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the nice thing about a team when you return so many players like Tennessee does, especially some seniors, and you add a grad transfer in EJ Anasiki, when you have that much experience, it certainly raises the floor. I mean, you, you feel good about this Tennessee team, the floor being you're an NCAA tournament team at worst first weekend. I mean, you feel good about that. Even in an uncertain season mm-hmm. filled with all the COVID issues, the potential for what can go wrong with a roster, you feel good about that. I mean, I think that's the... The, the definite floor of this team is they're an NCAA tournament team. It, it would be shocking to me to see this team miss the NCAA tournament because a lot would have to go wrong. I mean, crazy levels of injuries, games, lots of things have to go wrong. Um, and that's the benefit of having a veteran team and having guard depth. I mean, you, you have that, that ability. And the ceiling is, is certainly a final four. I mean, th- this team has the final four pieces. Um, they've got to put it together in the right way. Um, you know, Fulkerson was awesome in SEC play last year, averaged 18 points a game in his final 10 games. I mean, you know, you touched on earlier, he might've been playing as well as anyone in the league at the end of last season. And, and that was a shocking thing to see from a guy who was a sparingly used role player, um, after that injury three years ago. Um, so he just developed into something, but having him be that consistent presence, uh, and having that good rebounding, having Eve Pons back. Those things, I mean, this team has a has a ceiling of being a Final Four team. And if you're a Final Four team, that means you can win it all. And this team has those pieces that you can talk about them with confidence and saying, yeah, it's easy to see them playing in the final weekend of the year, and, and it wouldn't be a big surprise. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, touching back on the strengths comment, do you think that Eve Pons makes that big leap as far as rebounding goes? I think that was one of the biggest, like most frustrating pieces for me as a fan just watching the games. He's a guy that has all the athleticism in the world. And then, you know, like, like you said, you would put up games where he would have, you know, two, three, four rebounds and just seem to disappear from the glass. Do you think that that's going to be an area of his game that he takes a big leap this year? Is it too you know, early to tell? What have you been hearing? I mean, that's something that certainly was talked about is that's a part of his game that has to get better. Um, obviously, he's got the defensive part pretty well under under grasp at this point. Um, that's kind of what happens right. when you win the awards that he wins and and he's talking about trying to win a national defensive player of the year. So he's got that down. We saw him last year develop a kind of a spot-up three-point shot, uh, some nice post moves. So to round out that game and really cement himself as maybe a late first-round NBA pick in a year from now, got a rebound. I mean, you're, you're an athletic freak who can jump out of the gym, 
there, there's no excuse for him not to be getting eight, nine rebounds a game. Um, and now Tennessee's got EJ Anasicki, who they can throw in there to rebound if Eve's not doing his job. Well, do I think they'll do that often? Probably not, because you can't take Eve's defense off the floor too much. But they have the option there. If Eve's ignoring the rebounding, they can throw EJ Anasicki in there and say, do your job, or we're going to put him in. Um, so there's a pressure to do it. But I also think Eve's a guy who's very driven to do that as well. Yeah, I do. I definitely agree on that. And I, I'm To piggyback on the Anasicki part, I think he's a really good pickup because I a big frustrating part of last year was Fulkerson and Pons both have the ability to block shots. We all know what we've seen from Eves and even Folky and Folky's had records in North Carolina and all this stuff throughout his years. Those dudes love to come across on help side and try to block shots. And that takes them out of rebounding a lot. So I'm really excited. I think Anasicki is one of those dudes that can win – two-on-one backside battles on rebounds that we missed all last year. So I think that's going to really help us out a lot because I think there were some offensive putbacks that should have never happened because we have two dudes coming across that are trying to send it in the fourth row. Um, so I, I'm excited about Anasiki. I, I really think he's going to help us out a lot in certain situations like that. Hopefully Plavich can really you know, adjust because it's, it's weird that in these times a seven-footer that's not very mobile – is just not going to work today. It's just, it's tough in a different game. And he, he's not a terrible, terrible athlete as far as, you know, at a pace of today's game, but he'll, uh, he'll do a lot of help. And I think this year, I think that's one of those things he's going to develop, but um, we'll have a little fun here with a little um, irrational confidence Vols fans. What do you think has to happen? And I mean, we'll talk about like player development, uh, who has to step up, where's everybody got to go. But what does it take for this team to win? Three part question here to win an SEC championship, make a Final Four, and win a national title. Oh boy. I mean, the SEC championship <laughs> one's a pretty easy answer because realistically, the answer's two parts it's one, be the team that you are and beat Kentucky at least once um, because Kentucky's the main competition as they are most years. Um, and you're going to have to win at least one of those matchups with Kentucky to have the upper hand. Cause if you lose both of those, the odds are you're finishing second in the league. Um, so, so to win that, that title, you just kind of have to be the team because I mean, everyone's projected them as either the first or second team in the conference this year going into it, which is understandable. They have the returning pieces. They have the incoming pieces as we've, as we've discussed. Um, so that's just to me, be the team you are, and you have to beat Kentucky at least once. Um, and that's a tall order as well. Kentucky is a tall, stacked team with talent like usual. A lot of newcomers, but they're Kentucky. This is what they do. They do it well. Um, they always progress. Yeah. It, you know, it's always that late in the season stuff, and, and you don't want to see that late in the year. But yeah, so th- those are the two pieces there. Uh, to make it to a Final Four, and that's what's always funny. I mean, Rick Barnes is undoubtedly one of the best college basketball coaches. He's been yeah. among the best college basketball coaches for a long time. He's made it to one Final Four. That, that's not an easy. That's crazy. It, it's not easy. Um, I mean, team, mm-hmm. good teams don't make the Final Four. Um, you know, again, doubling back to a Michigan State team I covered, they were number one in the country most of the year. They lost to Middle Tennessee State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And that team had the potential to win it all. So to answer both the final two questions, you got to get the right matchups and you got to have a lot of things go your way. Um, yeah. you, don't, you don't make it to the final four just by being a good team. 
Um, you have to play the games right. You have to get the right matchups. There's so much that goes into getting to that final weekend uh, that really has little to do with your team and more about the way that you match up with teams. And, and that's why you hear coaches like Rick Barnes talk about the way that they schedule non-conference games. You try to schedule teams that play all different styles. So once you get to that point in the year, nothing really surprises you. Um, but yeah, to make it to the final four, it's matchups, getting the right matchups, going to the tournament. Um, and, and to me, what wins in the postseason is always solid point guard play and veteran bigs. And Tennessee's got the potential to have both of those. Um, and I yeah. think one of the beautiful things, too, when you talk about matchups is they're going to be able to do a lot of things lineup wise with Josiah James, who can certainly go to the four if they want to play small. Uh, Eve Pons can go to the three if they want to play big. I mean, they can do a lot of different things on the floor and match up with a lot of teams. Um, so that makes that easier. But but to win a national title, man, everything's got to go right. You, you don't you don't luck into a national title or backdoor into that. And so that goes down to matchups. That goes down to John Fulkerson having the year he should have. That goes down to EJ Anasicki, whom you talked about. He, he, to me, is if Rick Barnes could have drawn up one addition to this team this year, it's EJ Anasicki. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so it's it's him filling in that role perfectly where he was a double-double average guy last year. Not saying he's going to do those numbers, but he steps in and, and fills the roles that he can fill. And, and it's Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer playing like future lottery picks. I mean, that's yeah. those are the things that have to have to roll together for Tennessee to win a national title because that's kind of what it takes, period. Yeah. Because Viscovi has that, because just like you talked about that point guard play, you have to have somebody lights out and every great team. I mean, as a Carolina fan, you know, if you're ever going to make a run, you've got to have Marcus Paid, Ty Lawson, you know, even back to like the Duke teams, Tyus Jones was probably the best player on that team throughout the tournament. Like those guys are great. And, you know, it's, that's another crazy part to even look back at the Michigan state teams, like Denzel Valentine, like that team, everybody was shocked. They didn't get a one seed and they're like, Oh, okay. Put them as a two seed. They're going to route this, this competition in the South. And I was like, okay, that, that's a great team. And you get, always have to have great, great play. But yeah, Viscovi does have that fun tournament guy written all over him. You know, he can light it up from three. He's not going to get trapped as much as he was last year. Cause we have too much talent across the floor, but it, it would take a lot. It would take a lot. And I, I was just wondering what your thoughts were of how, how it's going to have to line up. But Mike, man, I, we really appreciate it, buddy. This was uh, this was a fun one. Hopefully we'll have you on again, man. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, man. And uh, as we all know, if you've got a wife or a girlfriend, the man's got to get back to The Bachelor. So no judgment here, bud. I appreciate you. Yeah, got to get that DVR rolling. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> thanks, man. Oh, thanks to Mike. Just a good dude. Appreciate him coming on. As always, you can check him out over at Knoxville News Sentinel or knoxnews.com just go to subscribe guy's a heck of a writer good stuff pumps out content every day and that guy works hard <laughs> it's taking a couple weeks to get him on because the guy's just always working always got things going on so shout out to him and i appreciate it and uh as always guys like subscribe follow us wherever you want to listen to on podcast and mainly welcome to valhalla appreciate you guys for listening have a good one bfls